Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. episode. Surprise! No, that wasn't JB, as my old friend Tim and I always refer to her. It's Dusty Springfield, another great British import. Dusty celebrated what would have been her 81st birthday this past week. I checked with a friend of mine. I said, Paul, is Dusty Springfield a mezzo? And he said, why, yes, she is. And I said, good. Then she could be featured on my Mezzo Madness episode. So that was Dusty offering a message of hope for us in these troubled times. I think it's a message that we could all absorb right now. Actually, she never really even completed this recording, but it was a song that she really loved, and they managed to piece something together many years after her death. Now, before we get to Janet Baker, because she is indeed the featured artist, I do want to pay tribute as well to another mezzo-soprano, that is the Swedish singer Kerstin Meyer, who died this past week at the age of 95, I believe it was. I knew her as the Geschwitz on the Annalisa Rotenberger recording of Lulu. I didn't really know too much else about her. I found this a suitable comparison. Someone was paying a sort of tribute to her. He doesn't really like her very much, and he compared her 
to Elisabeth Söderström in that the voice is rather slender, but there's a great deal going on there musically. Now, this is from very early in her career. I think she's only 26 years old here. This is her singing the Sigadilla from Carmen. I put a rather conspicuous splice in here because I just don't have that much time, but you really got to hear. I have never heard a more playful Sigadilla in all my life, and I think she's pretty superb. <laughs> started listening to more Kirsten Meyer recordings and collecting them, and I really enjoy her singing, and so I may very well bring you a Mezzo Madness episode devoted to this singer as well. Stay tuned. But now it is really time to jump in with Janet Baker. I'm not going to do a lot of talking. I will do a second episode on her because there's so much material that I was not able to include today. It's a true embarras de richesse, nonetheless. I have recordings from unusual sources, a lot of live stuff, a lot of unusual repertoire, a lot of quintessential repertoire for her, but maybe not in the most familiar performances. This episode is dedicated to my dear friend Patty, who celebrated her birthday last week. We're delighted to all be here another year on this earth, and Patty in particular. She's one of my very favorite people and has been ever since I first set eyes on her on our first day of vocal lit class at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. <laughs> oh, man. And we always love Janet Baker so much, and I still love her, and there's just so much music. I think I'm just going to have to play stuff, boom, 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 because I could talk and talk and talk about Janet Baker and why she's so important to me. I think I'll save that for the second episode, because there's so much music here that you simply have to hear. I'm featuring her as part of my Mezzo Madness series, 
Actually, she's more like mezzo sanity. She is transcendent. She is so dedicated to the words, but never, ever, ever, ever at the expense of the musical values. Also, really committed to spinning out a beautiful line, and I think that the triumph of her artistry is that she manages to do both of these things, to convey words with such clarity, with such depth of meaning, and yet to do full musical justice to everything that she undertook. Now, I'm making it sound like she's a faultless singer. She's not a faultless singer. There were some really leathery years in there where she wasn't making very pleasant sounds and her vocal mannerisms were really sort of taking over. But you know what? She knew herself. She knew what she was doing. She knew to cut back. She knew when to stop. I have to say that before she finally stopped singing, she recovered a great deal of her vocal, I want to say resplendency, it's not quite resplendent, but it's pretty damn close. Integrity, that's the word I want. And that's the word that applies to her in general. Right now, we're going to jump right in with this recording from early on in her career. I've recorded, I believe, in 1963 of Youth and Love from Rafe Vaughan Williams's Songs of Travel, set to a poem by Robert Louis Stevenson.
This next is one of the more obscure offerings today. It is by the British composer Peter Aston, who died in 2013. This is the recording of a song called Him I Praise with My Mute Mouth of Night from a cycle called Northumbrian Sequence, which Janet Baker had premiered in, I think it was 1963 or 64. It was composed in tribute to Kathleen Ferrier, the great contralto with whom Janet Baker is frequently compared. The poem is by Kathleen Rain, and because it's unfamiliar, I'm going to read it to you before I play the song. This recording, by the way, is from the 21st of April, 1966. Him I praise with my mute mouth of night, uttering silences until the stars hang at the still nodes of my troubled waves. Into my dark I have drawn down his light. I weave upon the empty floor of space the bridal dance. I dance the mysteries that set the house of Pentheus ablaze. His radiance shines into my darkest place. He lays in my deep grave his deathless fires. In me his flame springs fountain, tree, and heart, soars up from nature's bed in a bird's flight. Into my dark I have drawn down his light. My leaves draw down the sun with their green hands and bind his rays into the world's wild rose. I hold my mirroring seas before his face. His radiance shines into my darkest place. In my praise with my mute mouth of night, uttering silences until Still nodes of my troubled world. 
This song certainly makes me wonder about the rest of this composer's output. Now, of course, Janet Baker was quite famous for her collaborations with Benjamin Britten, which included two pieces written specifically for her, the role of Kate in Owen Wingrave, and of course, his final vocal work, Phaedra, which is an extraordinary tour de force, comparable I think, to Berlioz's Mort de Cléopâtre. We're going to turn to another work that was premiered by Janet Baker and written specifically for her, and that is Dominic Argento's From the Diary of Virginia Woolf that she premiered in Minneapolis in 1975. We are going to listen to the excerpt called Parents. I believe that's the sixth movement of the piece. Virginia Woolf's words really need to be taken very seriously right now at the time that we are seeing so many of our elders felled by this horrible virus. How beautiful they were, those old people. I mean, father and mother. How simple, how clear, how untroubled. I have been dipping into old letters and father's memoirs. He loved her. Oh, and was so candid and reasonable and transparent. How serene and gay even their life reads to me. No mud, no whirlpools, and so human, with the children and the little hum and song of the nursery. But if I read as a contemporary, I shall lose my child's vision, and so must stop. Nothing turbulent, nothing involved, no introspection. When Virginia Woolf wrote this text in December 1940, England was very much in the throes of the war. And therefore, when she's talking about reading as a contemporary, you know that she's looking back in the context of where they are right now with no mud, no whirlpools. We hear echoes of that in the machine guns that were heard in the previous song. You'll hear it in the piano part. This was a piece that suited Janet Baker beautifully. This performance is from the Carnegie Hall premiere of the cycle, January 1976, which went on to win the Pulitzer Prize that year. The sound is not fantastic, but it's a nice contrast to the more familiar performance that has been released commercially. So I hope you can listen through some of the noise in the background and hear what a beautiful performance this is.
I heard Janet Baker live exactly once, and it was one of the profound musical experiences of my life. It was the year that she retired from opera. It was one of her very few appearances that year in the United States, January 1982. I was in an extremely turbulent moment in my life, and she provided me with a little oasis of beauty and eloquence. I'll never forget it. One of her encores was this British folk song called She Walked Through the Fair, and I felt like time had been suspended. She never recorded it commercially that I can find. I did find a recording of it, and I almost used it, but then I came across this other recording of a Scots folk song arranged by the very interesting singer and folklorist Marjorie Kennedy Fraser, and this is called Eriske Love Lilt. This was recorded again with Martin Esep in March of 1965, and it is so very, very beautiful. I hope you enjoy it. experience Janet Baker in some German repertoire. I think she is heard to her very best advantage in some of this repertoire. Well, it's hard to say what suits her most, 
Bach and Handel also are extraordinary. The French repertoire, as we're going to hear later, all of these things, she's just so extraordinary. This is the song called Die Goethe Griechenlands. It was one that she recorded several times, and I found this rather obscure recording, recorded in October 1965 with the pianist Paul Hamburger. A couple of weeks ago, during my Schubert episode, I played a recording from that same session of Das Lied im Grünen with the same two performers. I'm going to include the spoken introduction by the BBC announcer that originally accompanied this. To German humanists of the late 18th century, the world of ancient Greece stood for many things lacking in their own time and country. In this poem, Schiller mourns the loss of a golden age represented for him by the gods of Greece. Faint traces of it can be found in songs and legends, but where has it gone, that world of order and beauty? How empty our own world is.
This next Schubert song is called Abendstern, Evening Star. It's to a text by Johann Meyerhofer, and it is extremely depressing. Was weilst du einsam an dem Himmel, o schöner Stern, und bist so mild? So it's a conversation between the Zuschauer, the one who's observing a star, and asking, why are you all alone there in the sky? Why do all of your brothers shun you? And the star responds, I'm the faithful star of love, and they stay far away from me. And then the human asks, but if you're love, why don't you go to them? How could they possibly resist you? And the star responds, I sow no seed. I send out no sprouts. I stay here, silent and mournful. This performance is from September 1980, and the pianist is Jeffrey Parsons. Janet Baker only did one recording of Brahms' songs, and I think it's a pity because she really was extremely well-suited in temperament, in vocal color to his music. The thing about Brahms, of course, is that he wasn't terribly selective about the poets that he set, but in a way, it really doesn't affect the quality of the songs. Neither of the two Brahms songs that we're going to hear are of particularly high quality, just as poems, but they evoke such a strong response from Brahms. 
So this first one, well, I always knew it as Oh, wüsste ich doch den Weg zurück. Now it is called more often Heimweh 2. Evidently, he composed two songs about longing or homesickness, and of which this is the second. So the text basically says, If only I could find the way back to childhood. If only I could be led once again by my mother's hand. But alas, I look all around me, and all I see is a stranded and barren shore. This performance is, I think it's the earliest Janet Baker performance we're going to hear today. It's from September 16th, 1960, and the pianist is Ernest Lush, who also accompanied Kathleen Ferrier on occasion, as well as many other singers.
the other Brahms song that we're going to hear right now, which I think is also extremely relevant for the time in which we find ourselves. It's called Komm Bald. It's from a January 1968 performance with Paul Hamburger, once again at the keyboard. Why do you wait from day to day? Everything in the garden is blooming. Who will come and count all the blossoms with me? My eyes wander from bush to tree. I think others would also find it almost like a dream. I think of the dear friends still true to me and still living. If only you were one of them. and preacher Eduard Mörike brought out the very best in the composer Hugo Wolf. He is an acquired taste. I acquired that taste very early on. Janet Baker isn't so known for her Hugo Wolf performances, but there are some wonderful performances. There's a complete Italianisches Liederbuch with John Shirley Quirk. There is a series of performances from December 1970, mostly from the Spanisches Liederbuch. Those also included Hugo Wolf's Verborgenheit, which is set to a text by Mirike. It's the only time I've been able to find Janet Baker singing this song. She may have sung it on other occasions. This is the only recording of which I am aware. Again, it's very timely as we find ourselves in quarantine and isolation. World, let me be. 
don't tempt me with gifts of love. Let this heart keep to itself its pain and its rapture. I don't know why I'm grieving, it's unknown. But always through a veil of tears I see the sun's light. Often I'm lost in thought, and suddenly bright joy flashes through the gloom, and it brings rapture to my breast. World, let me be. Don't tempt me. Let me stay with my own rapture and pain. The pianist here is named Jeffrey Prattley. Now we really must enter the world of Baroque music in which Janet Baker excelled. I find her really a perfect interpreter.
I was listening to a fantastic interview with her yesterday. I'm going to put the link on the show notes page. She speaks about so many different aspects of her art, her performing experience, her musical credo. It's really extraordinary. But she talks about performing Bach in particular and performing Bach with this particular conductor who we're going to hear, Paul Steinitz, who founded the London Bach Society and with whom she performed this performance of Yabarnadich from the Matthew Passion in March 1972. that she learned how to sing Bach by observing and listening to the instrumentalists around her, which I think is absolutely right. That's the way to sing Bach. That's what makes it so difficult to sing. What's extraordinary is that she also commits herself 1,000% to conveying the meaning of the words. What a beautiful, beautiful gift this performance is.
Just as she excelled in Bach, so did Janet Baker excel in Handel. Here she brings to the fore her extraordinary technical aplomb, but never, never solely as a display. There is always emotional intention behind every ornament, every bit of Fioritura. So I'm going to have two Handel performances for you. The first one is a live performance with Anthony Lewis conducting the English Chamber Orchestra in November 1972. She performs the role of Andronico in Handel's Tamerlano. There are so many beautiful arias for this character. The one that I picked also gives us a chance to hear her way with recitativo. Chi vide mai più sventurato amante? Who has ever seen a more unfortunate lover than the aria Ben che mi sprezzi l'idol che adoro? Even if the one that I love despises me, I will continue to be faithful. It's a long excerpt, but it's very much worth sitting down quietly and listening to how she allows the music to unfold, always expressing the sentiments of her character.
documentary that the BBC put out in honor of Janet Baker's birthday last year, where she speaks more personally than I've ever heard her speak. We get some real insight into her, and also we get to watch her listening to herself sing, which on other occasions she has said causes her great anguish, and yet you watch her face as she listens and you realize that she recognizes that she was able to express what she wanted to get across. One of the people interviewed is the late Raymond Lepard, who collaborated with her quite frequently. They worked together on many different Monteverdi productions, Cavalli, things like this. They recorded a Handel album together in 1972, which was her debut on Philips Records. One of the centerpieces of that recording is their collaboration on the aria Dopo Notte from Ariodante. It is considered to be one of the most difficult coloratura displays that Handel ever wrote. Six years after recording that, they got together again and recorded the complete opera. Raymond Lepard described this in that documentary. It was the end of a long day of recording, and Janet Baker said to him, let's do the dopo notte before we wind up. So she sang this in one take, and she soars up to this high B at the end, which was not planned, not written. She was simply inspired to do it, and man, does she nail it. What I'm going to present to you now is a composite of those two different recordings. Let me explain. What I did is for the A and the B section, I used the 1972 performance 
And then for the Da Capo, I used the 1978 recording. Again, the text is extremely appropriate for the world in which we're living right now because it says, after the dark and despicable night, the sun comes shining out.
mentioned earlier that Janet Baker knew when to stop. In the 1981-82 season, she decided that she was no longer going to sing opera. All of her operatic roles that she sang on stage were done in the UK. Her farewell to opera was as Gluck's Orfeo. You can see portions of the video that was produced on YouTube. What I'm going to offer you today is the aria Che Farò, but... It is from a January 1968 concert performance of the opera with Josef Krips conducting the San Francisco Symphony. I love the Gleinborn performance. I'm just offering this as an alternative to that. She's in beautiful voice, actually, in the video, Gleinborn. But I like the broader tempo. I'm an old-school kind of guy, and I think that she takes full advantage of the extra space that Krips gives her and really wrings the full amount of feeling out of it. As with some of the other live recordings, you really have to try and listen past the horrible sound.
asked a few friends what they really wanted to hear on this podcast, and everyone said we must hear Janet Baker singing some French repertoire. And David, my dear, darling, adored, absent, not boyfriend, who's still in New York, reminded me of this particular performance recorded in the summer of 1966 with the Melos Ensemble. It is the first of Ravel's Trois Poèmes du Stéphane Mallarmé. It's called Soupir. It's for an ensemble which creates this extraordinary gossamer sound world on which the most pure suspended vocal line is spun. I've never heard a better performance of these songs, and I know them very well because my senior year of college, I did an independent study and wrote a long article about the Mallarmé poems and the Chanson Marécas. This is the most exquisite example of Janet Baker singing that I know of. I hope you enjoy it.
everyone, everyone, well, maybe not everyone, but most people really, really, really love Janet Baker. For those of you who don't, I hope that I've given you a little bit more to consider. But here's a performance of a forêt song called Le Secret. This is the first excerpt of several that I'm going to offer you from a 1969 Carnegie Hall recital. I have been unable to pin down exactly when this took place. I can't find a review in the New York Times. I can't find any other information on the recording that I managed to get my hands on. It's an extraordinary concert, though. It includes a lot of repertoire that we don't normally associate with Janet Baker. We're going to hear a couple of those things here today. Yes, it's a long episode. I don't care. <laughs> you know, you can always listen to this in segments. I recommend it, in fact. Anyway, this is the song Le Secret to a poem by Armand Silvestre. It's something that she often sang. Now, I find her French pronunciation rather idiosyncratic. I mentioned my dear friend Tim Carney at the very beginning of the episode. In fact, he and I heard Janet Baker together in 1982 in Chicago at the Auditorium Theater. Tim would sometimes talk about her gâteau French. There are a lot of mispronunciations, anglicized, more so than in her German. But this song, Le Secret, this is the very, very best of Janet Baker. Again, it's a song that I have sung, certainly not this beautifully or at this tempo. For anyone who has ever been secretly in love with another person, this is the song for you. Je veux que le matin l'ignore le nom que j'ai dit à la nuit. If only the morning were not aware of the name that I told to the night, so that in the breezes of dawn it would silently dissipate like a tear. But I want the day to proclaim it, that love that I hid from the morning, poised above my open heart, like a grain of incense may it be kindled. But then I want the sunset to forget that secret that I told to the day, and carry it away, just like my love, in the folds of its pale robe. Oh, her legato here is so beautiful.
nobody saying Les Nuits d'été the way that Janet Baker did. There are so many extraordinary performances. There's a 1972 one with Herbert Blomstedt in particular. I nearly used that one, but then I came across this one. It is from November 1972. It is with Colin Davis and the Boston Symphony. Let me set the stage for you. A young girl has been at the ball with a rose that she wore pinned to her breast all night. It's resting next to her bed, fading. The spirit of the rose comes to her in her dream and says, I was privileged to die on your breast. The poet has written on the tomb where I lie. Here lies a rose which every king will envy.
I mentioned that 1969 Carnegie Hall concert. It has some very unusual repertoire in it, including the Non Piumesta by Rossini from Cenerentola that we heard Giulietta Simeonato sing so wonderfully last week. I'm not going to play that one right now, but I am going to play two unusual things for you as we start to round the bend to the final numbers of this podcast episode. The first is also in French, although the original language is Russian. It's of Joan of Arc's Farewell, here called Adieu Forêt from The Maid of Orleans by Tchaikovsky. Farewell to the forests. Joan is going to claim her destiny and I will never see you again. It's a very dramatic thing. And I like that you can really hear Janet Baker let out her voice here. And you hear that it was an instrument of size and quality. I don't know of her ever having performed any Russian repertoire, but it would have been very tantalizing to hear her. Thank 
piece to what we heard before. This is by Edvard Grieg. It is Solveig's song from Pierre Gint, or Pierre Gint, if you will. She sings it in English. She sings it exquisitely. As far as I know, again, it's something unique to her at this moment, Carnegie Hall, 
I can't go without playing some Mahler. Janet Baker is the supreme Mahler interpreter. There are some other wonderful Mahler singers, but for me, Janet Baker captures the essence, the spirit of Mahler. Now, she spoke many times about the influence that John Barbaroli had on her, in particular, in this repertoire. I'm not going to play any excerpts of her with Barbaroli. They're very readily available, and I recommend that you seek them out. But I'm going to offer two different things. The first is from Das Lied von der Erde. I was going to play Der Einsame im Herbst, but I decided that we needed something that had a little bit more spring to it, a little bit more thrust, a little bit more excitement. So that is the fourth movement of Mahler's Das Lied von der Erde, and it's called Von der Schönheit, of beauty. And it describes these lovely young maidens picking lotus blossoms on the river bank. And suddenly, in the distance, comes a group of young men on horses who disrupt the proceedings and cause quite a bit of agitation among the young girls. At the end, the narrator describes how one of the young girls, the most beautiful one, sends long, passionate glances behind her at the most dashing of the horse riders, because she's only pretending to be disdainful. You actually see in her eyes the awakening of first love. This recording is from February 1970. It's with Raphael Kublik conducting. There are so many beautiful recordings of this with Janet Baker. There's also a slightly earlier recording with George Zell and the Cleveland Orchestra. I think he's a little more straight-jacketed with her it's a beautiful performance. I was I was rather surprised, actually, because one doesn't really think of Zell as much of a Mahler conductor. But then she went on almost immediately afterward to Munich, where she recorded this radio performance. I, I don't know if it's a radio performance or a live performance, with Raphael Kubelik conducting, but he was a supreme Mahler conductor. There are also wonderful recordings with John Pritchard, Rudolf Kempe, his is really magnificent, and Raymond Lepard. Thank you. 
We've reached the end of a very long episode, but there's one song with which Janet Baker will always be associated. This performance was recorded in 1987, shortly before Janet Baker retired from singing. The conductor is Michael Tilson Thomas. The orchestra is the London Symphony Orchestra. Mahler's setting of the poem by Friedrich Rückert Ich bin der Welt abhanden gekommen. I'm lost to the world with which I used to waste so much time. It's heard so little from me for so long that it might well believe that I'm dead. It doesn't really concern me if it thinks that I'm dead. 
because I can't deny it. I really am dead to the world. I'm dead to the tumult and rest in this quiet realm. I live alone in my heaven, in my love, in my song.
Many thanks to Janet Baker, the High Priestess of Song, for her life's contribution to the furtherance of our art and the nourishment of our souls. No matter what, my dear friends, and especially at this time, keep the song in your hearts. I shall see you next week. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>